in the wrong place at the wrong time as tribal violence breaks out, weighs on them every day. These places call for those willing to pay any price, to endure any hardship, to embrace the risk so that the words of Isaiah 9-2 can be fulfilled. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. This task calls for men and women of courage, faith, and tenacity. It requires a significant level of physical and mental toughness. Are you tough enough? Nearly 40 years ago, I rushed the altar, not because of how tough I was, but because urged on by the Holy Spirit, my heart leapt at the challenge, the opportunity to risk everything for Jesus. And if today your heart leaps at the challenge of going to the hard places, I would encourage you to meet me in this altar. I would love to pray with you and talk with you about the hard places in the Pacific. Hallelujah. Mm. I want to say thank you to Pastor Ron. He has, uh, he has over the last couple of years truly become a, a uh, good friend and a good pastor. And I appreciate you so much, Pastor. I appreciate you doing that. And, uh, and a great advocate for Pacific Oceana. And, and I want to say thank you. And I want to say thank you to you as a church. You may not know this, but next week you are hosting an event called Missions in Me. And this is for people who feel like God is calling them to missions, but they're not exactly sure what the next step ought to be. Or, or even they're just seeking clarity. Is this for me? And uh, so we host, do this once a year, and Pastor Ron graciously agreed for us to use your facilities. And I don't know, you know, it's a little late for me to, like, book you a hotel room and all that sort of stuff. But if you're sitting here this morning and the Holy Spirit's dealing with you and you say, Brian, I feel like maybe I ought to be going to one of those hard places, then you come see me after service and we'll make a spot for you in a program. So it starts tomorrow night at 5 p.m. That's all day long on Tuesday and Wednesday, it's like a protracted prayer meeting because we're going to be seeking God's grace and seeking God's favor. But I just want to say thank you, Pastor, uh, for you doing that. And what a what a great day for us to get to be here with David and Amy uh, being sent out again from you. Thank you for doing that. I'm just looking to see where the clock is. There we go. I found it. All right. Uh, real quick, before I preach, let me mention a couple of books. How many of you figured out what was in the outhouse with me? Only one person knows what was in the outhouse with me. Wow. Okay. So this is a book called uh, Hungry Devils, Other Tales from Vanuatu. This is Renee and I's Missionary Adventures. That's what that is. This one is The Sons of Cannibals. And uh, this is this is 50 more stories of the adventures that we've had in Vanuatu. We refer to these as the Pay Our Kids Way to College Fund, all right? So Brian and Alicia, 100% through college, debt-free, praise God. Drew's in his senior, or going into his senior year at Ozark Bible Institute, no debt. The problem is, you see, I got Drew still sitting there, and then Eli queued up, all right? So if you guys buy enough copies of these two books, we're in good shape. This one right here, 
Mrs. Mrs. McKenzie's Candle. You know, this is, a, how many of you all ever read a Hardy Boys book or a Nancy Drew book growing up? Yeah. And and I, I noticed something about them. You probably didn't notice this. They solved 50 mysteries and never graduated from high school. They were either the slowest students or they found the fountain of youth, right? No, but it's just, you know, it, the, the story's got a little predictable, right? You knew what was going to happen, but but it was these brothers or it was Nancy Drew and her friends and they saw the mystery and I thought, what if I could take a 12-year-old girl and her 14-year-old brother and I could take them around the world and they could have all kinds of missions adventures and kids could learn about missions and they could learn geography and they could learn culture. And so that is the adventures of Caleb and Anna. And of course, the first place I took them is to Vanuatu. And this is Mrs. McKenzie's Candle. And so if you've got a kid in your life that is from like 5 to 15, you ought to grab them a copy of this. These are $10 a piece, and the profits from Mrs. McKenzie's Candle don't go to the Pay Our Kids Way to College Fund. They go to help kids know about Jesus. Amen? So if you want to come grab one of those after uh, after service, I, I think you'd like it. Boy, y'all are quiet. Y'all are, y'all, they're always quiet. Man, I would think, preacher, would you preaching at them? That they would just like, hallelujah. Amy's really the only one that knows what was in the outhouse with me. David knows. The rest of y'all don't know. We were, we were doing this church plant down and I wasn't going to tell you all this story, but if you don't know what's in the outhouse with me, I got to, we were doing a, a church plant down in, in Irrawongan in South Tana and they had me and about 20 pastors sleeping in this little shack and the shack had its own rats and, and these rats are about the size of cats and at night they get up in the rafters and, and they fight. And then the, what happens is the loser falls. And, and I don't know about you, but when a rat slaps the floor beside my head in the middle of the night, it wakes me up. And then when I wake up in the middle of the night, I got to go, you know. And the outhouse is about 50 feet away from this little shack. And, uh, and, and, and when, I, when I step into the door of that shack, it is just pouring rain. Now, I don't know how much experience you've got with outhouses, but when you come visit me, Pastor, I want you to know the rules. So I'm going to give you... Three quick rules of the outhouse. You ready? The first one is you sing as you go. There is no door. If you're lucky, there's a curtain. People use it when they forget their toilet paper. We call it a weighted curtain, right? So you sing your song. And if somebody joins you on the chorus, you just turn around and head back to the to the house, right? When they leave, then you've got it. The, 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 the second thing is you exercise light discipline. I get it. You like light, lots of it. Trust me on this one. There are thousands of four inch roaches that live in that pit. And when your light hits that hole, they come swarming up out of the abyss. So your flashlight is used to get you to the outhouse, but it is not for use in the outhouse. All right. And then the third thing is the prayer. Now listen to me. Missionaries are serious when we pray over our food, and we are serious when we pray over our toilet seats, all right? I got it down to, it's almost a mantra. I say, oh God, sanctify this toilet. So 
I don't want to paint you too graphic of a picture here, but it's pouring rain. I got my toilet paper tucked up underneath my arm so that it doesn't get wet. I'm running through the rain. I'm singing my song. I got my flashlight. Nobody joins me on the chorus, so I turn the flashlight off. I stick it between my teeth because I need both hands free. Still got the toilet paper tucked up underneath my arm. I'm backing past the weighted curtain, and I'm pulling my trousers down. And over my flashlight, I'm mumbling, Oh, God, sanctify this toilet. I sit down on that wooden throne, and I feel something. And it's warm, and it's hairy, and it's all down my thigh. And if you want to know what was in the outhouse, you're going to have to buy a copy of the books. Hallelujah. I figured y'all would have all bought a copy last time and know what was in the outhouse. But clearly they didn't buy a copy last time, did they? No. Did I not? Man, that is just not like me. What can we say? All right. We're going to preach. All right. I'm going to... I'm going to try to do this quickly because Pastor Ron says he's always done by 11:25. And so I'm going to I'm going to give you this morning just three words. That's all, three words. Cuz I'm a preacher, I'm still going to make three points out of it, right? But just three words. Our first text is in Revelation chapter 5, verse number 9, and the three words are very simply all for Jesus. All for Jesus. All the nations of the earth belong to Jesus. It is, it is all of them. Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from Every tribe and language and people and nation. Hallelujah. Simply put, God's plan has always been the redemption of every kindred, every language, every people, and every nation. The eternal plan for heaven's celebration, that cosmic finale of all time, is the splendorous, transcultural, multinational, omnilinguistic throng surrounding the throne of Jesus Christ and rejoicing in the redemption that has been bought by the blood of the Lamb. This is God's plan. God does not have a plan B. There is no second best option that will suffice. It is all peoples, all languages, all nations, all for Jesus. Y'all not getting it. No. There's 850 languages spoken in Papua New Guinea, and they all are for Jesus. Hmm. You ever, you ever go to a church service and somebody get up, maybe it's a missionary, maybe it's a guest from another country, and they begin singing a song in a language you don't even know. Right? 
I mean, they're, they're singing this song and they're worshiping God and you don't even know what the words of the song mean, but you just feel goosebumps and there's just something rises up within you. What? That's the Holy Spirit and He's bearing witness and He's saying, this is a preview of what you're going to see around the throne. I, I'm going to tell you, you say, Brian, things are getting bad down here. Inflation's gotten out of hand and we got another COVID spike and man, things are going bad. I'm going to tell you something. God is not up in heaven looking over the boundaries and saying, well, son, it's looking pretty bad down there. Maybe we ought to just pull the plug on this. Will some of them work? That's not the way it's working. What is your view of missions? Is it having one more Assembly of God church? Hey, I think it's great you're going to plant a church in Garden uh, in Kansas. It, but is is that your view of missions? It's just we're going to have another Assembly of God church. Is your view of missions taking a, a trip to another country, eating strange food, preaching to a strange people who speak a strange language and follow strange customs? Is it is it doing good to those who are poorer than you, helping someone who whose standard of living falls beneath yours, I want you to understand something. Any view of missions that is satisfied with anything short of representatives of all peoples everywhere being brought into faith in the Son of God. Any view of missions that contents itself with anything less than a people redeemed out of every nation. Any view of missions that is content with anything short of every human language being used to worship the King of Kings falls terribly and tragically short of God's view of missions and Jesus Christ's mandate for the church. Missions is all or nothing. Missions is all for Jesus. Entrusted with all power, Christ sent us to all nations to baptize all who believe and teach them to obey all he has commanded. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, Brian, surely I have done enough. I want you to listen to me. As long as there's one human language that is yet to be used to whisper this name, Jesus, as long as one nation remains unreached by the gospel, as long as one people, one tribe, or one kindred remains outside of the family of the redeemed, then no, we have not done enough. We have not done enough. We have not sent enough. We have not given enough. We have not gone enough. Today, I wish I could convince you to be passionate about missions. I wish I could convince you to send your children to the far side of the earth. I wish I could convince you to sell your life. More than that, I wish I could convince you to do so in a manner that will not plow the same fields, refight the same battles, or build on another man's foundations. I wish I could convince you to go where none has gone before and boldly proclaim the king to peoples who have yet to believe who not only they have yet to believe, but whose families in all of human history have remained outside of the family of faith, separated from God and without hope in the world. Paul asks in Romans chapter 10, how can they call on him in whom they've not believed? How can they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach 
unless they are sent. Fulfilling our mission will require preachers to go. Going will require senders to send. It really is that simple. So it's all for Jesus. Every nation, every king, every tribe, every language. But it's also it's also all for Jesus. It's 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 his. It belongs to him. It's his kingdom. John 17, 6. I want you to listen to the words of Jesus in this prayer. He's praying to the Father. He said, I manifested your name to the men you've given me out of the world. They were yours. Listen, listen. He said, you gave them to me. Can you hear in that a, a, a son's plaintive cry to his father? You gave them to me. At some point in eternity past, the father said to the son, Ask of me, and I'll give you the heathen for thine inheritance, the uttermost parts of thy earth for thy possession. And, and Jesus somehow must have said, Yes, father, I will take them. And the father said, There's a horrible price that must be paid for their redemption. And Jesus said, I will pay. Hmm. 600 years before Jesus is born, Isaiah graphically describes the suffering of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Can I get a little bit of water, Pastor? Yeah, I apologize. But he does more than describe his suffering. He describes how that Jesus would be satisfied with the fruit of his suffering. He said, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. He shall see the travail of his soul. Listen. And shall be satisfied. As Jesus sees men and women being redeemed out of an ever-expanding group of peoples, tribes, and languages, I want you to imagine how he feels. Yet one day, he's going to be fully satisfied. Y'all forgive me while I do this. You know, as a, as a missionary, one day I was walking down the Imantangi Valley and my guide, Pastor Obed, saw a group of men on the mountainside above me. And he said, Missionary, we're going to stop here underneath this tree and rest. Because when those men get here, they're going to rest here. I said, okay. So we stopped. We rested. The men showed up. They were from a village called Iatapu, a place where there had never been a church. And, uh, and they began to talk to me. The chief was talking to me. And after we had talked for a little while, the chief announced to his men, tomorrow, the missionary we visit our village. Now, Iatapu was over that ridge and on the, in the next valley. And I was in the Imantangi Valley doing a survey. And I, and I spoke up and I said, sorry, chief, I'm not going to be able to come to your village on this trip, but the next trip. And, my, and Pastor Obed said, just be quiet, you know. I didn't know what I was talking about. He said, just be quiet, missionary. And so the next morning we got up, we climbed the mountain. We went down the other side. We went to Iatapu. I went to the Nakama, the dancing ground. And Sitting there, and we're surrounded by these 20-foot idols, and the entire village is there. And they said, you know, he said, say what you come to say, right? So I plant my walking stick in the, in the ground, and I, and I preach. I mean, we go Genesis to Revelation. Well, I, I preached for an hour. When I was done, the chief said to me, he said, Missionary, I don't need your God. He had an explanation. He said, I don't need your God. I don't want your God. But he said, there's two women in my village who want to become Christians. So he said, you see that piece of land right down there? That's where you're going to build your church. And he said, this young man right here, he's going to be your pastor. He said, well, I'll take the land and I'll see you about the church. Never built a church for two women before, pastor. 
but I, I was willing to do it. Me and Nathan Thomas showed up, and we'd get up every morning, and we're working. Five o'clock in the morning, we'd have our devotions. They had me in this little shack where I was having my devotions. It was the only one in the village that had a table. And I would take my, my, my hurricane lamp. Y'all know what I'm talking about? A kerosene lamp. And I'd set my kerosene lamp in the middle of that table and open my Bible out. And I'd do my devotions. And I, and I started noticing that there was people coming and sitting in the shadows. And so I started having my devotions out loud. I had my devotion started in Romans chapter 1 while I was building that church. I just begin to work my every morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, I'd have my devotions out loud. Every evening, 5 in the evening, I'd have my devotions out loud. Before I finished, there wasn't space to put one more person in that hut. And sitting beside me was the chief who said, I don't need your God. Hallelujah. No, no, we got down to the end of that and we're going to have a baptismal service. What you do, right? I set it up. I was, I was going to have the ultimate missionary baptismal. We went to Port Resolution at sunrise. Mount Yasser, active volcano, spitting lava about every five minutes over on the west side. Sun coming up over on the east side. Step down there in that water. I'm baptizing one new believer after another. I'm thinking to myself, I am living the dream. No. This is it, man. This is as good as it gets. And then we stepped up there on that beach. That group of new believers gathered together. And they began to do something. In their language, they began to sing a song and worship the king. I'm going to tell you something. Choirs in heaven must be great. But I'll promise you in that moment, the lamb hushed the choirs. Because he said, I want you to hear that right there. You see that? That is one more language that I paid the price for them to be redeemed. And I'm going to promise you this. One day, Jesus Christ is going to be fully satisfied because every language is going to be lifted in worship to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to the words of Jesus. You gave them to me. Hmm? You gave them to me. A few years back, I was in Banjar Masan, Indonesia. city of four million people. They told me, they said, Brian, there's never been a church in Banjar Masan, 100% Muslim. I, I mean, there's a lot I could tell you about it. But that day, I met with a group of Indonesian families. Christians from all over Indonesia that had left where they lived. They were missionaries. And they went to Bonjour Masan to live there with their family in order to plant their very first church. And I met with them all day. We talked church planting strategies. We talked what to do when, when people are resistant to the gospel. And we got to the end of it. They said, Pastor, would you, would you have communion with us? See, we've left our, our homes. We've left our families. We haven't been in church in months. We're living in, 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 in this Muslim environment. We haven't had communion. Would you, would you have communion with us? You don't feel like you're two inches tall. Have communion with people who are risking their life for the gospel. But as we got down to the end of that, you know how we do it. We take the bread, and then we take the cup, and we pray. As I was praying over that cup, I heard the voice of Jesus in my spirit. He said, they are mine. I purchased them with my blood 
the Bonjar people belong to me. Amen. Today is a thriving Pentecostal church in Bonjar, Mozambique. But I want you to hear the cry of Jesus over the thousands of languages that remain outside of the family of the redeemed, he says, they are mine. I paid the price. And what he's commissioned you and I to do is to go and find them and call them by name and tell them that the Savior has paid the price for their redemption. Hallelujah. All right. I told you just three words, three points, right? It's nice and easy. It's all for Jesus. All of it. It's none of it going to be left out. It's all for Jesus. Belongs to him. He paid for it. But listen to this. It's all for Jesus. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is really, really simple. Knowing that missions is all for Jesus, every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue will be redeemed. Knowing that missions is all for Jesus, that these nations fully, rightfully, belong to him because he paid for them with his blood. I choose to simply give all for Jesus. Having been personally redeemed by the Savior, I simply owe him everything. And I choose to give him my all. You've probably heard the story of William Borden. Born to wealth and affluence, felt God had called him to be a missionary. When his family told him he would be throwing his life away to be a missionary, he opened the flyleaf of his Bible. He wrote two words, no reserves. Graduated from Yale after pursuing the, studying there to be a missionary. He was offered numerous high-paying jobs. He turned them all down to continue in his pursuit of being a missionary. But when turning them down, he opened that flyleaf and he added two more words, no retreats. He felt called to the Muslim uh, people in China. And so in order to better fulfill that call, he traveled first to Egypt in order to learn Arabic. And there in Egypt, he contracted spinal meningitis, dying a painful death, in route to his chosen field, having never seen those he felt called to serve, he added a final two words to the flyleaf of his Bible. No regrets. No reserves. No retreats. No regrets. I give all for Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you ready to give all for Jesus? You know, when I was a, a Bible school student, Renee and I pastored a church for Islanders in, in Neosho, Missouri. 
So we had Pacific Islanders living in Neosho. We started a church. We, and, and while we were there pastoring, there was a, an incident between two groups, the Pompeians and the Chukis. And they got into a fight. And, and you need to see a Pompeian to understand. They're, they're short, but they are thick. I mean, they are muscly guys. And this Pompeian guy got in a fight with the Chukis guy, and he, and he picked up a rock, and he just slapped the Chukis guy upside the head, and it killed him. And I was working beside a Pohnpeian that night. His name, well, the name I could pronounce was called Jimmy. And uh, <clears throat> and I said, Jimmy, I said, you guys in Pohnpeian, you guys must kill each other all the time. And he said, no, no, no. No, never, Pastor, never. I said, I don't believe you. I said, I know how much, I know how much you like to drink, and I know how much you like to fight. So you must just kill each other. He said, no, Pastor, it doesn't happen that way. He said, you don't understand our culture. I said, maybe you better tell me about it. He said, well, our, our culture is that if you cause the death of another person intentionally or accidentally, he said, you gotta, you got to get in your canoe and you got to paddle to where their family's home will be. He said, you can't take any weapons with you. He said, when you pull up to the shore, all of the family of the person you killed will form two lines from the shore to the door of the house. He said, when you, when you step up onto the beach, every one of them will be holding a knife, a club, some kind of weapon. He said, they will do everything in their power to convince you they're going to kill you before you get to the door of the house. And he said, when you step into the house, the mother and the father, the man whose life you took will be seated there on a mat. He said, you go, you go close to that mat and you put your face on the floor and you beg for their forgiveness. He said, when, you, when you've begged long enough, the father will extend his hand and put it on your shoulder. He'll say, it's okay, son. But he doesn't call you by your name. He calls you by the name, the man whose life you took. And from that day forward, you fulfill his obligations. He said, if your children are hungry, his children are well fed. If your parents are doing without medical care, his parents are receiving the best. You fulfill the obligation. Listen, when I heard him tell that, and I, and I was hesitant to share it until I went to Pornope and sat down with one of the nobles in Pornope and asked him, said, tell me, is this true? And he said, yes, missionary, that's the way that it works. Listen, when, when you understand this, that my sins, your sins, led to the crucifixion of the Son of God, and that we then come before the Father of heaven and earth, and we bow before him, and we ask him to forgive us of our sins. This is not just a fire escape plan where we're going to escape hell. This is us giving our life over to God. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Yes, I'm still living, but it's not me living anymore, but it is Christ living 
in me. Very simply, Pastor Ron, I live to fulfill the obligations of Jesus Christ. What would Jesus do? He would run to those who do not know. He would run to the suffering. He would run to the hurting. And He would give them life. And that's what our obligation as a church is. It is all for Jesus. If missions is about all the languages, peoples, and tribes, and nations, if missions is all about Jesus and what is rightfully His, if missions is all that I am, and all that I have for Jesus, then here's what you need to do this morning. I wonder if I could get you guys help. You need to bring to Jesus a blank contract. This altar. Would you stand with me? And this altar here today, you need to bring to Jesus a blank contract. And you need to sign at the bottom your name. And you need to say to Jesus Christ, you can dictate the terms. You can tell me where. You can tell me what you want me to do. But my answer here this morning is just yes. I'm going to start with yes. Are you ready to give Jesus Christ an unqualified yes? Are you? Father, I love you. I thank you that you redeemed us when we were strangers. Even when we, in our own minds, were enemies against you, you loved us. Christ died for us. You redeemed us. You brought us back into fellowship with you. And now you call us to simply give our all. You're just calling us to be like you because that's what you did. You simply gave your all. I pray your Holy Spirit would sweep over this this congregation here today. I believe there's some people that you're calling. God, I don't know where, I don't know what their life is going to look like. I don't know what task you're going to give them. And they don't know either. And that's okay. Because before you reveal your plan, you're waiting on that person to just say yes. So hey, give us the courage here today, Jesus. Give us the courage here today to step out and say yes to you. And say, Lord, you can use me any way you want to. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning and you're ready to give Jesus an unqualified yes, I'd ask you to step out of that pew and come down to this altar today. You say, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to look like, but my answer is just going to be yes. Then I'd ask you to come to this altar here this morning. Maybe you're here and you haven't surrendered to Jesus as your Savior in your life. You've been holding back. You've been trying to control your own life. Things have not been working out well for you. And you're here in this service this morning because you hit a point of crisis. And you're like, I don't know where to go from here. And I don't know what to do from here. I need some help. And if that's you this morning, then I'm going to ask you to step out of that pew and come to this altar. Because this is where you're going to find that help. And as you surrender to Jesus and you say to Jesus, I give you my unqualified yes. He'll break the bonds. He'll set you free. He'll change your life.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to hold on just a second.